We're gathered together in a room. We're becoming a people as we uh, enter into this space together, gathered uh, in God's name and because of what Jesus has done for us. And now we get to open up the word that he has for us. As Christine already mentioned, we are beginning a new series today called Growing, Serving, and Celebrating Together. Together. These are words that come from our ministry plan that we pull together every year. We've had these words for the last few years, and this fall we're going to take some time to unpack the meaning of them in our community. So for these words to be really our ministry framework, our church, all that we do as our church should have something to do with these three words, the concepts, the meaning behind these three words, something to do with growing to be more like Jesus, serving to reach the world, celebrating God and what he's done, including hot dogs. That was a good celebration cue and prompt for us, wasn't it? But these words, these three, growing, serving, celebrating, aren't words that stand alone. They're not words in isolation. They're not isolated from each other. There's certainly overlap between growing, serving, and celebrating. But we've added the word, we've placed even in front of all of these, the word together. Together. I have a couple of scripture passages that I want to read before we get to our Matthew one. So uh, the word belongs to all of us, and I'd like uh, one of you to volunteer to read Acts 2, 42 to 47. Christine has the paper, and uh, a quick volunteer, because God's word belongs to all of us. That's why we do it this way. And this is Norm Thurley. Thanks, Norm. From the New International Version. They devoted themselves to the apostles to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and have had everything in common. They sold the property, possessions, to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Acts 2, 42-47. Thank you. Thank you, Norm. It's good when the spirit or when scripture touches you like that. Thank you. Absolutely. That passage is at the beginning of the church and it's really a together passage. The word together is there three times for sure. 
But the concept of togetherness is there throughout that whole text. Being a church means being together. Together happens in different ways. It happens physically. It happens because of a shared purpose. It happens because of an emotional connection. But together, all of those facets are important for a church family to be a family, to be a church. Now, the word together isn't in isolation either. <laughs> Our ministry framework isn't just simply together. It, relationship is important, of course. Relationship is foundational. But we put the word together with these ministry framework words. Together growing. Together serving. Together celebrating. Together is so important. In fact, togetherness, relationship, is foundational to all that we are and do because God has revealed himself to us as a together, if you will. Perfect relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a self-giving relationship. Each one of the members of the Trinity pours out himself to the others and when that love exists, it flows out and spills over into the world, which is why we have one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. He gave. Love overflows into giving, to giving. I want us to read another passage. This is from uh, the Gospel of John, from chapter 17. That's usually called Jesus' high priestly prayer. He prays for the disciples. He prays directly to the Father, talking about his own situation, about to go to the cross. That's where this comes from. And then he spends a moment praying for all those who are going to believe after the fact, after the disciples share the good news, after he is ascended and goes back into heaven, he's praying for us. I'd like you to listen to these words from John 17. So we'll have another volunteer to read from among the people today. John 17, 20 to 23. Thank you. And Emma Spence, thank you. John 17, 20 to 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you, may they also be in us so that the world may, be, may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me from before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. 
I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have, that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Thank you. We could spend a month of Sundays unpacking those few verses. They're so rich and full. They tell us that the love of God poured out from Jesus into us. He dwells within us. That draws us together because of his love being in all of us. It's a oneness. It's a oneness that we enjoy in him and with each other because of him being in us. But this togetherness is not something that's merely meant to be enjoyed for ourselves. Oh, isn't it wonderful that we get to have this love of God? Love always overflows. That's why the world was created. Out of love, God created the world so he could love us. Love, my friends, cannot exist if it is not received or given. It doesn't exist for its own sake. It exists for the sake of the other. The power of the word together is in the giving and receiving of love. That's why we put the word together with our ministry framework. Together we're growing to become more like Jesus. Together we're serving to reach the world. Together we're celebrating God and what he's done. Together is so important. Okay, I need more volunteers today. I need at least five people to come and stand with me right here. You don't have to say anything, I promise. One, I won't embarrass you. Two, three. I want somebody who's sitting way in the back to come forward. Any, any, any courageous volunteers? That would be awesome. Oh, Darren, okay. You were in my peripheral. There we go. So, okay. This is good. This is perfect. Yes. Good, yeah. We're, we're, we're up here. So, um, Emma, can you just stand over there a little further? Okay, you guys come over here. Oh, come here. You, you four. Make a nice little, nice little circle. Just talk, talk amongst yourselves with each other. What's, what's Emma feeling like right now? Where's together happening? Together is happening. Okay, it's obvious. This is an exercise in stating the obvious. Togetherness is happening here. It's a visual, okay. How do you feel over on this side? Uh, pretty lonely. Pretty lonely? A little, uh, excluded. You don't mind being by yourself once in a while. No, but I'd, be, I'd prefer to be together. Okay, do they have something good going on over there? It seems like it. It seems yeah. like it. Okay, so let's, but they were kind of turned into each other. Well, let's sort of form your group to be uh, like a, a U-shaped semicircle and still have your conversation going on, but look beyond yourselves while you're looking to each other. And what might happen if, if you would do that? You might notice. Uh, you might notice somebody else over there. And maybe if you were courageous. You would come to her. Ah, walk. Uh, uh, uh. 
Okay. Now, okay, I'm over here. What are you going to do? I don't know. Oh, the preacher did. Yeah. Me too? All right. Yeah. Okay, thank you for helping me state the obvious here today. Give them a hand for volunteering, yeah. It's a sil simple little illustration. I was about to say silly. It's not silly at all. It's very serious, actually, even though it is fun. We are together for the sake of others. If our togetherness becomes so rich and good and, and, and so full that we develop a oneness and a closeness that begins to separate us from others, something wrong is happening in our togetherness. Togetherness that is based on love always exists for the sake of the other. So our togetherness needs to be U-shaped we're still together, but with eyes to the other. We're still enjoying this very much. But togetherness always, that's based on the kind of togetherness that Jesus would have us have, sees the other. We've got it wrong if in any way we communicate that we value our togetherness so much that it excludes the other. Togetherness that resembles Jesus always draws people in. So the question for us is how can we be people who learn to and become more like Jesus himself? How can we learn to resemble him more and more in our lives? How does it happen? How can we grow? How does growing happen? And to begin to talk about that and hopefully begin to understand it, we're going to go to a story that Jesus told. And Jamie Speaksma is going to read the parable of the sower for us now. Matthew 13, 1-23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, 
but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they will have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They're hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Amen. It's good to hear God's word. It happens every year, doesn't it? Usually every spring. The time may vary depending on where you live and the approach you decide to take. But people around the world do it. What do they do? They put seeds in the ground. How many of you put seeds in the ground back a few months ago this year? few of you did. How many of you put even a, a flower on your deck, hoping that something would grow. We love seeing things grow. Some do it for their livelihood. Farming is a worthy calling. It's a profession that's been part of the human race for millennia. We have been feeding each other through this noble profession. We've been growing things for a long time. Some people put food in the ground for survival. We need to eat, whether it's your own garden that sustains you or whether you grow it to give to others. Food sustains us. Some people who plant seeds in their garden do it for pleasure because they just love to see things grow, things develop. Whatever the reason, everyone who plants a seed expects something. What is it? You expect it to grow, to germinate, to sprout up. 
and something to push through the soil and see that plant. This spring, we happened to be in Saskatchewan in May, spending some time visiting our kids there and helping them get their garden established. And whenever we planted a garden, we always said, you got to put radishes in. Why? Because they come up the fastest. They're the fun item. Even, even if you don't like eating radishes, they're the first thing that pops up. You want to see that something's growing. So we helped them plant radishes and corn and beans and potatoes and peppers and cucumbers and zucchini and carrots. Everything did great. Everything did as expected. The corn was growing big. The beans were getting full. Everything did as expected, except for the carrots. For some reason, the carrots in their garden didn't come up. They just didn't grow. When things don't grow, it's disappointing. It's a disappointing section in their garden. We've been seeing the fruits of the labors, the the zucchini and the peppers and the the tomatoes that they planted. I always forget tomatoes because I know I don't like tomatoes, so I just forget about them. Although I did have a cherry tomato yesterday, and it was actually quite good. Surprised myself. So there you go. I'm growing, yeah. (laughs) Even an old dog can be taught new tricks. There you go. We expect plants to grow. Growth is normal. It's a constant. In fact, if things don't grow, we'll say something's not quite right here. Plants and people are expected to grow. Plants and people are expected to reach maturity. A plant reaches maturity when, if it's a garden plant, the fruit or the vegetable can be harvested. A flower reaches maturity when when it buds and, and, and pops open and you get to see and smell the beauty of it. How do you know when a person has reached maturity? I think sometimes we know when somebody hasn't reached maturity. (laughs) We kind of go, something's off about the way that person is acting. It doesn't seem to what? Match their age. What do we tell kids when they're doing something that we think is way too silly? Act your age because it feels like they're not quite growing or acting the way their age should be. There's, there, there's a, uh, an incongruence. We expect plants and we expect people to grow. So when a plant doesn't grow properly, when its growth is stunted or it doesn't even pop up, there's really only two things we can check. One is the quality of the seed. The other is the quality of the dirt or the soil. Now, I don't know about my kids' carrot seeds, whether they were good seeds or not. I do know that I spent a lot of hours wheelbarrowing in some topsoil from the back lane into that garden, and I got a good workout putting in some nice, fresh topsoil into their garden. Maybe in that case, the seeds of the carrot weren't so good. I don't know. The story that Jesus told 
The seed is good. The seed is the, is the word that talks about the kingdom. It's his word. It's a, it's a good seed. So if that seed is good, we then turn our thoughts to the soil. What quality is the soil? The condition of the soil made the difference in the plants in the story that Jesus told. Take care of the soil and the seed will grow. So in my house, the wife is the wife, my wife. It it doesn't say the wife in my notes, honest. (laughs) I grew out of that saying. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) I could see she's standing right there shaking her head right now. (laughs) Right underneath the hello sign, hello. (laughs) She's definitely the gardener in our house. She's the plant person. When I watch her tend to the garden, yes, she she takes care of the plants, but a lot of her work is digging in the soil, and she'll come back into the house with, with hands that are soiled with dirt, and that's a good feeling for her. She works the soil. The soil is what this story that Jesus told is all about. And now it's interesting to note These four soils in the story that Jesus told all begin or all have the same quality in terms of the soil itself. It's what's done to the soil or not done to it that makes the difference for how the seed grows or doesn't grow. You see, good soil over time, if it's just walked on and that's all that's done, becomes a hard path. If you walk on the same spot enough times on some nice, soft, fluffy dirt, eventually it becomes hard-packed. And if you toss a seed on it, it just sits there. The seed will never enter. It won't grow on that hard path. The thin layer of soil is good soil, but there's just too little of it. And there's rocks underneath it and it can't take root. It might still be good soil in and of itself, but it's spread too thin. There's not enough of it to produce a healthy plant. There's too many rocks around it for the soil to do its good work. And thirdly, this soil that is actually in great shape, the soil in which weeds grow up and develop, It's good quality, just as good as the quality of the soil that produces the bumper crop. But when the soil isn't tended, weeds just find their way into soil. How does that happen? It just happens, doesn't it? And then these things are growing. And Why do weeds grow better than everything else? They grow faster. It seems like they're stronger. Sometimes their roots, have you ever dug a, a, a big dandelion root? I mean, it goes down. Or some of those other kinds, I don't even know the names of them. They're so intertwined. You start picking on one of them, and, 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 then, and then the next thing you know, an hour's gone by, and you've, you're still picking, if you're a weed picker. Any weed pickers? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay, good. I'm connecting with a few of you. Why do weeds grow so well? You know why? Because they don't produce any fruit. They just exist without needing to produce anything. Things that produce things need care and tending. 
these three examples all talk about how the soil was tended or not. Now, if we'd stop here, we would have a good seminar on gardening. Not a bad thing. Gardening is a very good thing. But it's not the point of the story that Jesus told. You know that. Jesus told us to listen to this story. He wants us to understand it. That section in the middle that, that Jamie read that talks about hearing and not understanding, when you, when you really dig into that, Jesus wants us to understand these words. He's not trying to make them super mysterious so that they're hard for us to figure out. He wants us to get it. He wants us to be in a posture where we're receptive to hear what he has to say. The point of the story is to consider and work on what we're doing to become more like Jesus. And the soil is the metaphor for how we're taking care of our own lives with respect to hearing and following and obeying Him. When we grow in Him, it means we're tending the soil of our lives. We're paying attention to the relationship that we have with Him, just like a gardener or a farmer tends their soil. So for you and I to become more like Jesus, it requires that we grow. Growth is not an option if that's our goal. doesn't sound quite right when you say it that way. That means we need to grow. Don't choose not growing. If we want to grow and become more like Jesus, it implies that we need to work on things, maybe change change some habits, change some patterns so that we are transformed more into his likeness. So let's talk just for a minute about change and transformation. There's a difference between the two. So in the last little while, a small little change in my eating habits, been working on it. We've switched for my cereal from 1% dairy milk to almond milk. Thank you for a response. Yeah, because, man, that was a big change, I tell you. Sandy started it, and uh, it was a good thing because there's a reason, actually. Uh, The last couple doctor's appointments that I've had, he's been saying, your sugar level's going up just a little bit. You should pay attention to this. And I'm like, I've never had to do that. Do you mean I have to change? Oh, So, all of a sudden, almond milk's in our fridge because it has less sugar content. Really, it does. So, on one day, we made the change. Shook up that almond milk, poured it on my cereal, started tasting it. It's like, brown milk? This tastes like almonds. What am I doing with this? But the behavior had been changed. And we were committed to moving away from that dairy milk for my cereal, at least, and going into almond milk. Kept pursuing with this changed behavior. I don't know how long it was, but one day we ran out of almond milk, and so I had to put dairy milk onto my cereal. Poured dairy milk onto it, tasted it, and it was like, this is weird. What kind of milk is this anyway? Oh, it's dairy milk. Guess what had happened? A transformation had taken place. I didn't even know it. All that changed behavior over time led to a transformation. Now my palate is used to the almond milk, and it feels normal. 
I don't have to work hard at making myself say, okay, this is a good thing even though I don't like it. It was normalized. A transformation had occurred. Changes are things that we can do. We choose to do them. We can even practice them. But change by itself is not transformation. Transformation happens over time when we've worked on change, when we've practiced certain things, and all of a sudden they become second nature to us. But we don't do it just for the sake of change. There's a reason. There's a goal. There's a goal. And if we're Christ followers, we know what the goal is. We want to be more like Jesus. If you don't want to be more like Jesus, don't bother reading the Bible. Don't bother gathering. Don't bother building relationships with one another centered on Him and, and His Word. Don't bother with that. It's too much, too much work, too much effort. Don't bother. But if you want to become more like Him, what should we do? Well, the first cue is in the parable itself. Jesus says, listen. Listen to him. How do we do that today? What kind of behaviors help us listen to Jesus today? This is my Bible. I also have one on my phone that I use quite a bit. The way we, the primary way we listen to Jesus today is by opening up this book and reading it, studying it. Sometimes this book can be confusing, and it's good for us to con uh, be in conversation with others about it. It's good for us maybe to get some teaching about it. It's good for us to get some books to, to study it. But when Jesus says, listen, listen to what the parable of the sower means, we can take that to say, listen to him. Develop listening skills so that over time, as you learn to hear his voice, you begin to recognize it and simply do what he says as a matter of course in your life. Change at the beginning can be a challenge. Getting a new habit started can be a challenge at the beginning. But the more you do it, the more it becomes second nature. And the reason you do it is because you want to attain a certain goal. And as followers of Jesus, we want to be more like him. We want our behaviors to naturally uh, re resemble and, and reflect his quality, his character, the way that he interacted with people, which we read about in the Gospels. Of course, Bible reading with no intention of taking it in isn't the answer to our question. Lots of people read this book who might disagree with it and say, I want nothing to do with it. It's partly about our posture. That's one way that we tend our, the soil of our life. Lord, I, I, I want to be like you. Help me to, to be open to hear what you have to say in this book, through others, in this sermon, as I study, help me to be open to that. Matthew 7, 24 is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus there talks about, we, about us, his, his listeners, his followers, being blessed not only to hear the word, but to do it, to put it into practice. When Jesus says at the end of the parable of the sower, 
that those who bear fruit are those who understand the word, it means we've taken it in and we're trying to live by it. These are choices, friends, that we have the ability to make. We can choose whether we want to engage in community around the Bible, do it on our own, do it as we gather, just as you're doing today. These are good things, but it's our choice. If we keep on doing them over time, with our hearts open, we are becoming more like Jesus. Sure, we're going to slip up along the way. You know what? Sometimes in my life, there's still hard soil sometimes. Sometimes I get distracted by certain weeds along the way. Maybe there's some shallowness that shows up in my reactions to certain situations. This metaphor, this story reminds us that we're always in a state of working on and tending the soil of our lives. Let's not ever think that we've arrived. Maturity will happen one day when Jesus returns. In the meantime, we are in the maturing process, becoming more like Jesus. Christine and I are going to chat a little bit and maybe even give you a chance for a question and answer. But just before we do that, I'd like us to pray together. So would you let me lead you as we just spend a moment praying? Thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, for who you are, for your great love for each other that flows over and spills over into love for us, into creation, into making us and giving us opportunity to follow you. We receive your love and thank you for it. Thank you for the love that was supremely showed to us on the cross when Jesus gave himself for us. And this morning again, Lord, we receive that love. And in your mind right now, I invite you even to, to pray those words, to form those words in your mind. Lord Jesus, I receive the love that you, that you poured out for me even on the cross. Maybe today's the first time you formulate those words in your mind. That's a good thing. Receive his love. And Lord, along the way, we admit that sometimes we have not tended the soil of our lives well. And so in this moment, God, we repent of those ways. We say we're sorry. We say we're sorry for saying that we want to be more like you, but then not really doing anything about it. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive the shallow soil moments that we have. Forgive the hard-hearted soil moments that we sometimes have. And forgive the distractions that we allow to creep into our lives. Give us good ears to hear what you have to say. And right now, as we listen, we hear your words of forgiveness. 
We hear your words of love saying, come to me, my children. Some of you are tired and weary, maybe tired of trying too hard, maybe tired of situations that have happened, maybe tired of failures or tired of rejection, lots of things that we could be tired of. Hear the words of Jesus who says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Help us to help each other, Lord, together, tend the soil of our lives as people, as a church, in this community, for your sake, for the sake of those who do not yet know you, and for the sake of the growth of this community. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.